0: Community, welcome back to the Filo podcast. If you're new, welcome. Our goal is to help you become more effective so that your church can become more effective. And really, the goal is to help you just become a more effective person, period. And hopefully, as a result, all the areas of your life become more effective, and your church is just one of those areas. If you've been doing production in the local church for any length of time, you know it's difficult. And if we can become better at what we do, if we can become better at relationships, better at leading our teams, better at leading up, better at leading ourselves, we have a better chance of living the life that Jesus promised us, which was life to the fullest. Sure, you know, there's a lot of work that we can do based on technology that we're using, but so much of what the life of a technical artist is made up of is about relationships and building trust with co-workers and other people we're doing ministry with. It's also so much about leading ourselves. If you remember, if you listened to the last podcast, during the intro, I mentioned that I was letting life just sort of drag me around without any sort of intentionality on my part. And the reality is that I'm still kind of in the grip of figuring out what my life should look like. And I'm coming off some time away and some time working from home, but I am still not at a place where I feel like I'm being intentional enough with my time. And as I've been making choices about how to spend my time over the last few weeks, I'm realizing that much of my decision-making revolves around just not letting people down versus doing what lines up with what's most important to me and the goals that I've set for myself. I'm continuing to work through all this and trying to become comfortable with making decisions in line with who I am becoming instead of in line with what other people want from me. And the thing that's so crazy in the life that I'm living right now is I'm the boss. I'm my own boss. And should it be simple and easy, And I think much of it speaks to how much time I spent reacting to other people's requests as a tech person in the local church. That was my life for so long. And while much of our roles are to help facilitate the ideas of others, we can't become the full version of who we are without figuring out what matters to us and then building a structure around us to support that. And so that's what I'm working on. Let's get to the podcast. I'm joined today by Dara Samuels. She's the Senior Production Manager for Christ Fellowship Church which is a multi-site church in South Florida. And she was a member of our very first philo cohort. And since then, her role at church has changed a few times. Her family's gotten bigger since that time. And through it all, building teams has remained central to what matters to her. And so we talked about it. So here it is. I am super excited to be joined by my friend, Dara Samuels. Dara, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: We were talking a little bit about the last time we saw each other, which was probably the first time we saw each other in that, you know, kind of zone of the very first Philo cohort. You were in that first group.
1: Yeah, it was great. I just remember hearing so much about Philo and just everything you guys were doing. One of my friends actually told me, like, hey, they're starting cohorts. And probably two seconds after he told me, I went and researched and signed up. And found that it was actually the very first one, and that I was the <laughs> only girl in the in the yeah. team. So, <laughs> it was it was actually really good. It was really entertaining. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a grand experiment, but that was, there was something special about that particular yeah. group. There's just a good combination of yeah. people, for sure.
1: Yeah, it was it was great conversations, just very, I feel like we connected very naturally.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and it was just a nice, safe place for us to just talk production and live yeah. and all of it together. So, yeah.
0: So, before we get too far into the podcast, why don't you tell people a little bit about what you do now, and then maybe how you ended up in this place. Like what's your journey been like?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I am currently at Christ Fellowship Church in Palm Beach Gardens, not the Miami one. And I've been here for four years now, and it's been an incredible journey. I started here as a production manager for one of our campuses, Rural Palm, and now I'm a senior production manager. So I oversee our northern campuses. So it's been really good just to experience working with a lot of the guys that are very talented, but mm. my journey kind of started as a film student. So my goal is okay. to do film for missionaries and just kind of help them promote their ministry okay. and help them uh, create just better resources. And then I married a youth pastor
0: <laughs> and
1: he needed someone to run his services. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I, I stumbled upon production. <laughs> and I, I kind of fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Just being able to just encourage students and mm-hmm. man, they're smart. They're smart and they learn so fast. So I was hooked and I started just doing production for student ministry and just training and coaching students. And mm-hmm. uh, We did about five years of that. Okay. And then we moved to San Antonio where I continue to do uh, student production. Okay. So I was doing middle school through young adults and just creating teams, developing people. We started with about five students that were rock stars running 14 different services. Whoa. And by the time we left, we had about 90 students. Okay. And they were, I mean, they were self-sufficient. They were running the services themselves. They were creating trainings. So I, my heart has always leaned towards that next generation. Yeah. And then we did four and a half years of that. And then we came to Christ Fellowship. And although now I work with a lot more adults and that has been a learning, a
0: learning yeah, yeah.
1: Myself, yeah. I, I've been able to still, you know, encourage the next generation and mm-hmm. still just seeing our production managers starting to lean into how do we bring them on? How do we serve them well? So I've been able to do a little bit of both. So yeah, it's been it's been incredible.
0: That's quite a journey youth ministry. That's a lot of youth ministry. <laughs>
1: yes, it is. <laughs> 13 years.
0: Yeah, man. But the thing that it speaks to in some ways that I think are true Whether you're, you know, in an adult service or not, I mean, there's a lot of students that gravitate to production that they're really looking for a place to connect and be seen and known. And I think the production booth in the back, that's where I gravitated as a kid and, yeah, found my place there. So just love that you've been creating that space for kids all those years,
1: it's it's their safe their safe zone for all of our incredible introvert, very smart students yeah. to see in a place where they can come and connect and actually be valued. Mm-hmm. And and those are the students that are going to create the next production team at a church. So for sure, anytime we get to invest into that, it's it's incredible.
0: I feel like there's a lot of people out there that have have inherited a team of adults. I fell into that category. All these people could be my dad. <laughs> and then like learning over time to pull the students in, you know, whereas you're kind of coming at it from the reverse where, you know, you you were pulling in all these students and now having to work with adults. Yeah. Have you noticed any similarities between like the adult volunteers and the student volunteers? Or are they just totally different groups yeah. of people?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think I came in thinking that it was going to be a world of difference mm-hmm. and that I was going to have to relearn how to talk to an adult and give instructions to an adult versus a yeah, student. Yeah. But I I very quickly learned that they both want the same thing. They want to be mm-hmm. valued. They want to be cared for. They want to know that they're actually adding something to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that you value their opinion. So when I, when I first came in to Royal Palm, everybody was older than me. And a lot of them had started the campus, so they they had seen yeah. transition after transition, and so they were very skeptical. Like, well, how long are you going to be here <laughs> and yeah. come and change everything? And and I had to be very sensitive to that and know that it wasn't a hey, I'm coming in knowing everything and I'm just mm-hmm. going to fix you guys, but it was just presenting myself as like, hey, I'm I'm actually coming in from a very different world. And you guys have seen all the transitions. Tell me what has worked and what hasn't worked. Yeah. How can we team up? How can we maybe bring some of the students who I know can pick up very quickly so then you guys can teach them? Mm. So it was a lot of just finding finding a common ground for them. And I found yeah. that they all want to feel valued and they all want to chase after something. And we just have to present it the right way for adults sure, right. versus students.
0: So Yeah, yeah. On some level, you know, the, the student has more free time mm-hmm. yep. than the adults do. And so, you know, the thing I notice is you, with a student, you get kind of their undivided attention. You know, their parents drop them off. Yeah. They serve with you and they, you know, that's what they're doing. That's yeah. their thing versus an adult, especially if they have a family or something, you know, it's just a piece of what you're you're only getting a piece of them. Right. And I love what you just said. You know, everybody wants to feel valued and like they're a part of something. Some people have more time for it than others, you know, and so where they are in the journey can vary a lot because of just that factor.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing to be aware of is because they have limited time, we have to honor their time. Mm, so when yeah, they yeah. are there, I'm going to make sure that they're in a position that they're going to feel like, okay, if I'm going to spend eight hours on a Sunday... I'm going to be doing something that is actually worth my time. Yeah, yeah. And for some people that might be video directing, for some people, they just want to come and like, serve hospitality. So my job is to make sure that I I actually find that out because I want to honor their limited time. And I want to honor their time away from family, too
0: okay, everybody's got valuable time. Some have more of it than others. So I was always feeling the pinch of, we got to get these people working and then move on. You know, just like get them out the door and no fluff and just don't mess around. But I think I noticed for me anyway, what it led to was a lot of people feeling like they're just a means to an end. And so how do you balance out that, you know, you want to use their time wisely but also that there needs to be some time for getting to know someone or understand someone or just the names of your kids or whatever. How do you balance those things out?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a tension that that we've struggled with because, I mean, I have kids too. So I wanna make sure that I'm at a rehearsal before 10 o'clock. Yeah. But I've also learned that because they are they're giving of their time, then they've probably already coordinated all of their families around that time. And they've already planned. um, Hey, I'm going to be out of the house from this time to this time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that they don't only come and serve and check a box, but that while they're there, we can build relationship, whether that is before rehearsal starts and we do a quick huddle, we pray, we do a quick devo and I just check in like, Hey, How's your son? I know he was sick. Or, hey, I know your mom was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing those check-ins with them. And then during service, I, I usually have these moments where I kind of take my headset off to take in what's happening in the service. Yeah. When I put my headset back on, I always make sure I, I say something encouraging to them and just let mm-hmm. them know like, hey, I appreciate you guys are taking time today. Like this many people raise their hands today yeah. because I know like I'm not going to say it while they're cutting into another shot. Yeah, yeah. If there's a lull in that in between. Then I'm gonna highlight something that they might not be able to see in this square of the screen, and uh, I'm gonna be their eyes for them. So sure, yeah. After services, we we always kind of come back and do a quick feedback to kind of see what we need to change over the next service, and that's uh-huh. another opportunity for me to do a touch point, like sure, let's connect. Like, hey, let, we're gonna do dinner this day. So any chance I'm in between services mm. and we know, hey, we're going to sit for a minute because we have 10 minutes before the next service. Well, let me go grab a coffee with someone and just kind of walk back into the booth. Sure. So it it seems, it sounds very like, oh, duh, like, yes, we do that. But I feel <laughs> yeah. like when we're in production, it's so easy for us to hyper-focus on, yeah. I can only focus on service. I can only do this. I can't think of anything else.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's easy to forget that we're working with people who their job is not in production. Their job is outside and they're coming to land of their time. So I will take some time before, after service to encourage, to connect, and just to check in on on their families. And it's it's been really neat just to see that when we lead the way with that, then you start seeing them do the same. Like between services, they go and eat breakfast in Dream Team Central or whatever you guys call it. And so just to see those type of connections naturally start building Because you almost, as a leader, have given them that leeway of, hey, it's okay to have a conversation that doesn't involve planning center.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) So so, yeah, so it's definitely something that we, it's a stretch for all of us in in this world.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. But
1: man, the the results, people want to be there. People want to rally behind you because you took those few minutes to encourage in the middle of whatever service you're running.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's so cool too that just setting the example for the team that hopefully that it rubs off on everyone else. And so everybody starts sort of acting the way, you know, like, oh, I want to know about what's going on in your world. So I think learning how to use gear no one has to tell me that, you know, I should be doing that. I want to do that. Right. Also, like nobody really has to tell me, like, how can we make this better? What can we fix? What can we change? Like, that's kind of the zone that a lot of us live in naturally. Yeah. And I think setting ourselves up for living in a zone of I noticed something good that you did. Yeah. I feel like I probably say this every podcast, but nobody else around us knows when good things happen because they're not in the world of production. And we watch them go by mm-hmm. almost every moment something good is happening. And we're just like waiting for the bad <laughs> thing that we can <laughs> yeah. point out or write down instead of acknowledging the good that's happening that our teams are doing because we're the only ones who will notice them. We're the only ones that can give encouragement yeah. and to, to have that be a part of how we view uh, what we're doing, yeah. I think is so important to build a culture of honor and respect yeah. amongst ourselves, instead yeah. of waiting for it to come from outside. Because yeah. outside, nobody knows that good things are happening. Yeah. They only see the bad.
1: and They don't know the the imbe- investment. I mean, the, the hours that people spend and just a lot of times, like Christmas season's coming up. We yeah, yeah. spend a lot of time with our volunteers. So, yeah. you better believe I'm gonna be baking some cookies and I'm gonna <laughs> some coffee because it might be something small, but they understand the busyness of the season. They understand yeah. that I'm taking kids to school and I'm coming to work, and I, I still took the time to think, hey, they might appreciate having something. yeah, yeah. Like that. So things like that, I feel like it's definitely something that we we all want to train ourselves to be better. Yeah. So then we can carry that culture into every location that we go to.
0: Yeah. For a lot of us, I think we have groups of volunteers that fall into categories, you know, so there's a volunteer that, you know, is there every time the doors open and you can't stop them from coming. And then we have some people that are just happy to help and they're there just, oh, you need some help. I'll, I'll be happy to help. And then maybe you have some people that are maybe a little less teachable and only serve when it's convenient for them. I mean, when you think about those types of volunteers and how to engage with them, how to get them more involved, how to keep them always growing and that sort of thing, do you think about those groups differently? Do you have a strategy for each one? Do you, you know, just sort of lean on the people that are just crushing it and they'll carry everybody else and so we don't have to worry about it? But yeah, are there ways that you're looking to engage those different groups of people?
1: Yeah, for sure. I When I think about just the different groups of people, I think about situational leadership. Mm-hmm. And it, it brings me to, you know, every leader is leading a team where people are different. Mm-hmm. Somebody might learn in a visual manner and you just kind of give them a visual and they take it and run with it. Some mm-hmm. people might need a little bit more encouragement and a little bit more teaching. So when I think about just the different categories of volunteers, I kind of place myself in that where I'm thinking, am I actually supporting them the way I need to support them? Or am I, like you were saying, like, I'm just going to lean on the people that I know are not going to fail. And I'm just going to forget about everybody else because that's, that's kind of the easy way out. Right. (laughs) If I think about kind of the people that are always there when the doors open, those are the people that I'm going to empower. I know they're going to be there. I know whatever event it is, they're going to offer to help. So my role is not so much going to be, hey, can you serve? Hey, can you come? But it's going to it's going to be, hey, I'm going to empower you because I know you can carry the culture. I know you know the gear. You know how service is going to go. So I'm going to empower you to go and replicate your ser- yourself in different environments. So whether that is hey, let's go serve in students. Let's go serve in the kids area and train a new group of volunteers. I'm going to do that. I'm going to create a coaching team where they can be the coaches because they're always there. They're always willing. They know their stuff and they carry the vision. So for them, I'm going to empower them. Mm -hmm. And I actually have the person who took my place when I stepped out of Royal Palm. He was actually one of my volunteers. Okay. And he was one of those like, rockstar, I'm going to be there and I'm going to serve. And uh, not so much. he He's a technically minded person, but his heart okay. for people was huge as well. So okay. it was an easy transition to know, okay, this is a person that can carry the vision, can coach somebody. And if I can empower him with the information he needs and the resources he needs, he can knock it out of the park. Yeah. So that's kind of how I think on that group specifically. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talk about kind of the happy to help, like, hey, I can be here maybe once or twice a month. Like I'll do my very best to be there. Uh They might not be the ones that serve consistently, but when they're there, I'm going to find out like, hey, do you want to learn something new? Like, hey, Mm -hmm. how can we help you? How can we train you? How can we stretch you out of the comfort zone a little bit? Um, They're going to be the ones that if we have a vision rally, well, I'm going to make sure they're there because they don't hear the vision every week like the previous group does. So anytime they're there, I'm going to bring the vision up and I'm going to show them like, hey, this is this is what we're about. This is how we apply it to production. Hmm. So for them, I take more of the approach of how can I cheer you on? How can I train you? How can I coach you? How can I make sure that the once or twice a month that you are here is going to be memorable? And when you leave, you're going to know exactly mm. what we're about. And then with, with the last group, kind of the the ones that maybe have been there for a long time and they've seen all the transitions and they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> 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 and they're there because they feel like they have to be there. Honestly, it will just be really easy to dismiss them because, mm. you know, like they they're probably not going to do much for the health of the team. And they're probably not going to be very supportive. But what I've learned is these are the people that I'm going to lean on. And I'm going to actually ask them, like, hey, what are some of the experiences you've had? Like, what has brought you to this point? Mm -hmm. Like, what is something that uh, somebody else tried that didn't really work? Because I want to make sure I don't repeat that. But also know that those are the people that I'm going to be sharing stories with. Like, hey, today when you served, this many people got saved. Or hey, remember the vision that our pastor shared at the beginning of the month. This is what we've done towards that. So it's gonna be more of like, let me let me draw you a picture. Like this is what you've seen in the last 15 years you've been in the ministry. Mm-hmm. This is where we're at now. And this is where the ministry is gonna be in the future or what we want it to be in the future. Mm-hmm. Do you want to rally with us? Like, do mm-hmm. you want to come on board with us? So I think with them, more than us trying to convince them. It's going to sound overly spiritual, but it's, it's so true. Like, what is the vision that we're all behind? And are they still in the right place? Like right. some of them, like we had volunteers that have been there for so long and they had always done the same thing. Well, they yeah. were bored. They were annoyed. So all it took is for me to say, hey, have you tried anything new? Like, this is what we're trying to coach for this last Tuesday of the month. Would you like to try it? And then it turned out all they needed to do was to switch positions. And then they <laughs> were just excited to be there again and excited yeah. to try something new. So I think I've learned, although it might be easy to dismiss because you don't want, like, we don't have a lot of time, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, I think that's another reminder for us that at the end of the day, we do this for the people. So those yeah. are the people that I'm going to keep like, hey, I'm going to show you a picture and I'm going to tell you the numbers and I'm going to tell you what's happening and we're going to celebrate until you're so excited about what we're doing yeah. <laughs> now. So that, that's kind of my approach for those different uh, groups.
0: Sure, yeah, that's so good. And, you know, there's part of the people that are grudgingly serving or have been serving for a long time and maybe are disgruntled or, you know, seen so many changes, they're jaded or, you know, they're just always can pick out the things that aren't working right. You know, there's part of it that even just having the courage to challenge them on why are you here? And, you know, this is what we're about, which I love that there's so much about leadership that is about vision and communicating the vision. And you're probably sick of hearing it. You've heard it so many times, but like you said, a lot of the people on the team, they don't live and breathe it like you do. And so they need to be reminded of it, that this group of people needs to be reminded of it and invited to it Right. And then given the chance to say I'm in or I'm not in yeah. and either one is fine. Yeah. But I think I could imagine so many people listening to this who have like that one volunteer that is kind of hard to work with but you can't imagine how you would get stuff done without them. Yeah. And so you're afraid to bring up the challenge. Yeah. But I think you're doing well your your team yourself that person a disservice to not give them the opportunity to choose. Right. I'm in. And this is how I'm going to act or I'm out and, you know, great service yeah. and good luck with your next thing, yeah. you know.
1: And I think that's the being being, being honoring, like letting them know, like, hey, if at the end of the day, after we've shared the vision and share the care and we've cheered you on and given you all the opportunities, if you still don't want to be a part of this team, then my, my job and my goal as a ministry leader is, how can I connect you elsewhere? Like, how can I make sure that you're still coming to church? You're still connecting with people. Like, how can I honor you on your way out? Because clearly you've been here through a lot of the changes. And clearly at some point, you were very passionate about this. So how do I help you find another place where you can be passionate um, and kind of make your, your exit from this team? just an honorable one um, sure. because of the work you've done.
0: Yeah. Cause it is true. Like if we're a Christian, you know, we're called to be a part of the body of Christ some in some way to be involved. And so, yeah, it's not like we're trying to kick people out the door, but I love that idea of how can I connect you to maybe a better fit? Yeah and i think by not talking to this person about just giving them the op, you know the opportunity to make a choice you know we could be robbing them of a great meaningful serve in some right. other part of the church that you know we're just worried about you know offending them or hurting their feelings that we're keeping them yeah. doing a job they're maybe not so great at right. anymore yeah. just because we're afraid
1: yeah yeah and and i think i mean we all go through seasons where i remember when i was in student ministry i knew okay summer's going to be really tough everybody's had on vacation. So the temptation is let me keep as many people in as I can. And like, Uh how can I already schedule you? And how can I, but you're right. Like there are some people that it's just not their time anymore. It's just not their season anymore. So I can't just look out for my interests and protect myself from having to run three different things at once. (laughs) (laughs) But like, how can I, how can I still help you? And then I need to get to work and start recruiting again so we can keep services going.
0: Yeah. So I have a question about that. So yeah. I was just talking to somebody today just about if you're on staff at a church and you're leading a team, like how things fluctuate, you know, the things are broken, need fixing. I got to get Ableton running and planning center, you know, invites out. And and there's there's a lot of work to be done. But then when it comes time for you're down a person, you're down two people, that gear shift to, into recruiting. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. There were a few seasons where I was like, the only thing I'm spending time on is recruiting new people. You know, back in the day, making phone calls, yep. sending out postcards. I mean, I, there was no email yep. or planning center <laughs> back, back in those days. But yeah, that it had to be a concerted effort. It wasn't just going to magically happen itself. I had somebody on the podcast recently where. For them, it was like just a perpetual, they were never not recruiting. But I'd be curious in your situation, like, do you have seasons of your life where you're like really pushing hard and spending most of your time on that? Or is it just something that because you're working on engaging with volunteers all the time that it's just something that is happening kind of continuously?
1: Yeah, I can tell you when, when I was doing it and now kind of what we encourage our teams to do, I always try to keep partnerships with any connections team. And I knew, like, hey, at at any given point, somebody's going to be out. Somebody might not be their season anymore. And I can't wait until I'm out of a person to start recruiting because I'm going to be in big trouble. So (laughs) I kept really close just relationships with those connection teams. And I would just let them know, like, hey, if you have someone who wants to serve, they love technology and they have no idea where else to connect, send Uh them to me. And
0: yeah. <laughs> we'll talk
1: things and we'll figure it out. Like if this is a place for them, like just keep sending them, and I'll have all the conversations with them. And what that did for me is it removed the stress of it's summer. Parents are out because kids are out of school. Christmas. So I, I had to become very strategic. Mm-hmm. Of hey, I'm going to consistently recruit. Now it might it might not always look like. Okay, I'm I'm in every meeting every time. Like am I just yeah. look like, hey, I'm ready for whoever comes, but always having cards in hand, always having like some time to have conversations and then knowing, okay, Christmas is coming. I'm not going to start scheduling December 1st. I'm going to schedule yeah. October. So I can have time if I need to recruit, if I need to train, if I need to raise a brand new team for Christmas, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have enough time to do that. So it it became almost like that was my weekly. Like I knew someone will come to the booth because they will send them over for my class. Yeah, yeah. So I think what we've told our teams now and we've encouraged them is hey, always keep your eyes open. Mm. If there is like we have a class that's called The Journey that just teaches them about. Is the church and the history and the different areas they can connect? Yeah. Well, then somebody from the team is going to be there representing production, or I'm going to take a stack of cards and I'm going to make sure that I can have a conversation that will allow people to know: is this where I want to serve or not? So we've encouraged them like, hey, connect with people. It's not always easy because we're introverts and we don't really want to go out <laughs> and connect with people. So then I've also told them like, hey. Then find someone on your team that's really good at talking to people and Mm -hmm. send them out. And and we've seen, I mean, we've seen that one of our newest team members, she's great at recruiting and it's very natural for her to talk to people. So, Uh I mean, if we release her and send her out and we say, hey, we need to find three more people, she will come in with five people. (laughs) <laughs> and then our job now is, okay, let's carry through the rest of the steps. <laughs> but it's great to see that it can it can be just an active conversation. Like you don't have yeah. to keep the mindset of, okay, recruit, recruit. But I'm going to talk to people and talk about how excited I am about what I'm doing in production. I'm yeah. going to try to sell the ministry to the best of my ability. <laughs>
0: yeah. This is what
1: they want to do. I'm going to be ready for it. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I approached it because before it was just stressful. Yeah. Stressful, just kind of holding my breath, like who's going to show up and who's not going to show up. Right. And, and then I realized I'm like, I can actually do something about it. Like, I can mm-hmm. actually get out there and talk to people. Yeah. And it's not my strongest suit, but I've made it my strongest suit. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, we, it's an opportunity for them to serve. It's an opportunity for me to just have someone in my team to encourage and then for service to happen, regardless of what season we're in.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so I guess number one, we need the contact information for that volunteer that recruits right. five people instead of three. Um, I think Soto. we all need She's that pretty person.
1: Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: There is something that's so interesting about having a volunteer team is that you can't really have too many people. Mm-hmm. You only have the exact right amount or too few. Yep. Because if you had too many, then you'd have people sitting around with nothing to do. And so, yeah, it's a real interesting balance that we have to live in of we'll always be down Mm. or, you know, like, you know, once a month, you'll have the perfect number of people. But for the most part, it will be a challenge. Yeah.
1: And I think that's when you that's when you also have to get really creative if you do have Mm -hmm. too many, which is a great problem to have. But yeah, also be prepared for that. Like, okay, what else can we?
0: Yeah. How could we expand the team? If there's going
1: to be a person running PCO Live on a Sunday or maybe yeah. there's going to be someone that we have fifth and sixth grade services on Sunday morning. So, hey, maybe can you go boot up the room, do sound check with them, make sure their content is loaded. So, yeah, yeah. they might not be in the main room from the get-go, but they've I've trained them and I coach them and I'm going to deploy them so they can have a place to serve because I'm it's hard for me to say like, oh, sorry, we have too many people, try the next ministry. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, what opportunities can I create? Yeah. Yeah. I can actually handle and care for them and that I can actually serve other teams as well. Like if they're sure. sick and they need someone to run prep Center. Well, hey, I have the one person that I haven't been able to schedule on a weekend, but they can actually come and run your class.
0: Yeah. That's so, so great. I think
1: just getting creative and getting out of the box like getting out of the video room. What else can we create out of the video room Sure. to still have opportunity for people to serve?
0: Right, right. So just in the way that we've been talking about engaging with volunteers, have you noticed that as you've engaged more volunteers, you know, or help them be more involved that uh, turnover has gone down or like, do you have a high rate of turnover or is it your teams have been sticking? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think we've seen... We've seen almost a like seasonal turnover. Mm, like okay. you know, people are going to make changes when there's changes happening. So yeah. whether it's a change of leadership or whether, hey, we're entering summer season or we're entering the fall. Well, usually that's where we see families yeah. or team members like school gets busier. So that's when we know like, hey, we might experience a turnover and we might lose some people and you know that when it's family related, there's only so much we can do to keep for sure. Yeah. So it has really been just being aware of, okay, we understand if I have 20 parents in my team, I might lose them during the summer. So
0: (laughs) so what
1: do I need to do to prepare for that loss? But then I know, and, and I think it's also having those conversations, like, Hey, are you rejoining the team? And after you go through the season or, I mean, we saw it during COVID where a lot of people just couldn't come back or they just, they were afraid to come back. Um, And we had to have a lot of those conversations of, Hey, is this a permanent, you're out of the team or is this a, you're coming back in a couple of months. So we, we haven't seen it on a consistent basis, but we know, we know the seasons that are coming in. So yeah, for yeah. us is more of a seasonal turnover, and we just have to prepare and kind of beef up our teams for those seasons. Yeah, and that's where students are incredible because <laughs> during the summer they don't have anything else to do and they just <laughs> hang out at church.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we're gonna paint the stage. Yes, Let's go. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> wrap some cables and retape. There, the oh, yeah. Give them pizza and soda in oh the game.
0: <laughs> I'd love. That sounds pretty good to me too. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You mentioned new leadership and what that does to a team. Yeah. On one hand, I would say in my life, watching a new leader come in and then watching the whole team just turn over completely was so sad to watch in a way until I realized, like, you know, a lot of what we're doing is so relational that it would make sense that the person they have a relationship with is now gone. Mm-hmm. And so not everybody's going to click with the new leader. How have you just seen that sort of play out in your experience?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we've we've experienced a couple of those transitions within our team with our production managers. And one of the things that I've seen that has helped a lot is when the new production manager comes in, We encourage them like, hey, yes, there's there's trainings you're going to do. There's yes, we want you to learn the gear and how to power things on and off. But we the first thing we want you to focus on is connecting with your team. Hmm. And in my experience, that has made such a change because the team sees the intentionality. They see that, hey, they're not just coming in and bringing their six ideas and telling me how (laughs) I can either get on board or not get on board with the new ideas. Right. But they're actually intentional about getting to know the team, getting to know the team dynamic, discovered who the strong leaders of the team are, because those are the ones that you want to get to know really closely and you want to go to coffee and get their thoughts and feelings about how the team functions. Because then those are the leaders that are going to trickle everything down to the rest of the team. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen that has helped so much and we're we're kind of almost doing a dual dual thing with our production managers where we say, Hey, build relationships with your team while you're doing that. I will make sure you receive the training that you need during the week. I will make sure you watch all the training videos, all of the things, but the primary focus is ensuring that the health of your team is good. Yeah. Because we don't want you to show up on a Sunday and you have no team. So right. I can help yeah. you power on the equipment, but yeah. I can't help you run a whole service. By ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) And we've seen like, I mean, when we did the transition in Royal Palm, like we didn't really lose any volunteers. Because the volunteer that I had that stepped in, um, Brock, he actually like came in building relationships. And he knew a lot of them because he had been a volunteer. um, But he was intentional about building relationships. So I left and they rallied behind them. So cool. um, and the core leaders what i did before leaving is i just kind of gather them and i said hey you guys are leading the team like you guys are the ones that can either make or break this transition.
0: Yeah yeah. And just
1: had that honest conversation with them cuz i feel like a lot of times because they're volunteers we don't want to put too much weight on them. For sure. But i've learned if they're volunteering they want to help you carry that weight. And if they don't, they'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. So we've, I mean, we've seen, we've seen that when they come in with the intention of building relationship and then learning when they're not around volunteers, then we have less of a turnover because the team wants to, okay, this is what you're sharing with us. We're going to rally behind you. Like, let us help you understand the systems better. Let us help you. And coming with a, even like a humbling. Like just humble knowing like, hey, I'm new to this. I'm not here to tear down the fence before knowing why you build it. Yeah. Like let's let's win this together. Like you teach me what you guys have learned. I'll help you. I'll resource you. And we've seen that has been a huge help. And then on our end now as a senior production manager, well, now I have to be intentional providing training so they don't have to worry about learning the things fast enough or not. They can worry about build the relationship i will schedule times for you to meet with me or other leaders so you can learn the systems learn the culture learn all the things
0: sure right, so right.
1: It, it takes a lot of intentionality on both ends yeah but just the last two transitions i've done with with my team specifically we haven't really seen a loss of volunteers That's um, so great it's been really good
0: just thinking about how difficult it is for the average tech person to start building a team and delegating away tasks that that's really why we got into it in the first place, you know, doing this stuff. So that's one level of leadership that I know was really a, a tough transition for me. But then you think about where you are now. So you're like one layer above that even. And so you're even less involved with the yeah the people and the gear. And as a production person, for me, that feels like I'm not doing anything, you know, yeah. and I'm like sitting in an office while other people are doing the work. Yeah. Like, I just be curious what the transition was like from like doing it yourself, doing with volunteers, now leading people that are doing it with volunteers. Like, how has that been for you?
1: It was hard at the beginning. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Because I I love just working with volunteers and I love executing events and services like that. Mm. Being able to build an event from the ground up gives me life. So when I had to take a step back and I was coordinating the event, making sure the staff was ready, but then I was having to kind of Give it to them. Be yeah, like, yeah. Hand hey, it off. Yeah. Go have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it was hard, and and I had to I had to understand that my role now was to be the coach, the encourager, the like resource. Like I am now a resource for them. So mm-hmm. I think my way of it probably wasn't the right way because it was tiring. But my way of still being involved was, hey, here's the event. I'm gonna show up to the event. Every mm-hmm. day, and uh, I'm not going to be in the booth. I'm not going to make any calls, but I'm going to be there because if anything comes up, that you have questions, I want you to have access to the resource and mm-hmm. not wait for a text or a call. Yeah. So that that helped me kind of still be a part of like student camp. That was probably the hardest for me to give
0: yeah.
1: up. <laughs> I loved doing student camp. I've done it yeah. for thirteen years, and now thinking, okay. How do I empower somebody else
0: mm.
1: to, to have the resources? And I think the benefit of having been on the other side is that I know the, the kind of things that come up in an event. Yeah. yeah, I know what are some of the things that I wish I would have had um, mm-hmm. resource for my leaders, some of the questions that I had. So my thought process when I'm planning an event for somebody else is what are some of the questions as a production manager they will have? Let me just kind of fill in the gap as much as I can. So when they walk in the event, they can just run the rehearsal, run the event and be fine. So, but it was definitely a, a, a hard transition. Yeah. And I feel like this year, I've I've had to let go a lot more just because okay. <laughs> it's more responsibility. But it also taught me to trust my team. Mm-hmm. It taught me to trust that, hey, we have the Dylans who are incredible with their teams and their, his campus can run without him or with him. Yeah. So trust that I have enough talent and gifted people in my team that the event's going to be just fine, yeah. and they're going to they're gonna be great, and I can just bring donuts for them, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my new role: bring the donuts and no, coffee. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so critical to the whole yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, No
1: it's joke. MMs. Everybody likes peanut MMs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so true.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, it definitely was a hard transition from. I mean. Being a doer for so many years, yeah. To leading the people doing it now. Yeah. But it it taught me a lot. And I had um uh really great examples of how to do that. Where we had our next gen pastor when I was in San Antonio, Mike Fernan- Mike Hernandez, and he did just that, like he went from running everything to teaching me and trusting that. Uh-huh. If I messed up, like I could work the process to get where I needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then coming here, I had Colin and Oscar Soto who they had the tough conversations with me when I needed them. Mm-hmm. But they also trusted that if I made a decision, I had all also done the work to get there. Sure. So I think I think that's the crucial thing as a leader. Like, how do you, how can you inspire? and encourage your people and also be a safe place for them to come to if there is an issue or if there is a question about something.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think when you're a doer, it's easy to make a connection between how well I did on the last thing and who I am as a person, like to connect those two things. And so then when you become a leader you know it just like what am i doing i don't know yeah. and so there you know it's like you lose that connection point yeah and that what you shouldn't have in the first place and so it's yeah it's a real eye opening kind of personal journey to go from okay how well i did on the last event is not a thing anymore and so yeah. even how well i show up with donuts is not yep. you know it's yep. it's important but it's also not a definer of right. who you are and so yeah. yeah learning to to rest in who you are in christ It's probably not unique to tech people. It just feels unique, you know, just because I lived through it. You know that it was my my experience that wow, I I don't stop long enough to think about. I'm usually just jumping onto the next thing, doing the next thing. Yeah,
1: no, that that's so true. And my my poor husband has been on the receiving ends of uh, all of my woes. Uh That was a thing at the beginning that I was like, okay, I had to I had to find my identity in Christ again. Mm -hmm. I had to realize that I I wasn't defined by what event I did, what job I did, what the pastor said about what I did, like, that was no longer the game. Um, and like, I needed to focus on, okay, God has called me to be in this season in this team for a reason. Yeah. And that's what I need to figure out. Like, why? Why did yeah. he chose me for the season and really celebrate the wins of my team now? So I tell my husband, I was like, oh my goodness, like this team did this. And he's like, oh, that's great. And I was like, no, you you don't understand. Like (laughs) that's, that's a win, like a win for them. It's a win for me. It's a win for all of us. So if they're doing great. Then I know, okay, we're like, I'm going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, but still leaning in, okay, God, like I can't lead them on my own. Like I can't, there's only so far I can take them and there's only so far I can go um there's in in acknowledging like every door that has opened for me, it's been God opening the door. Yeah. So keeping like going back to that has been something that I've had to be really intentional about in this season and remembering that my value is not in my title, but my value is in who God says I am. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's definitely a learning, learning experience for sure.
0: There's so much intentionality required to build a great team, to empower people, to lead a department, to have a correct view of our relationship with Christ and our identity. You know, it's like, maybe it's just because I'm in the middle of just wishing I were more intentional, you know, in certain areas of my life that I think that is probably, if there's a magic bullet in what we're doing, it's about being intentional, which is like one of the hardest things to do. Consistently, so I just appreciate the chance to kind of talk about how it affects the people around us, but just more importantly, just our our heart and who we are. Is so important.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and we're not always going to get it right.
0: For and, sure. Yeah, and I think that's
1: the thing that that we need to be okay with having grace. I feel like it's easy for us to have grace on everybody else, but we're we're tough yeah, yeah. on ourselves. Yeah. So just remembering that we're not always going to get it right, but be present when, when the tough times come, when a volunteer is struggling, when a team member, I might've missed the last one-on-one and I am so sorry, but hey, I'm going to make sure that that week I connect with you and I make sure mm-hmm. that at least I say hi and check in on you. So it, even something small, having grace that like yeah. hey today, I might not be able to have a one-hour conversation, but I'm going to shoot you a text and make sure that you know that I'm praying for you. Yeah. So even even something that seems small can be so meaningful to people. yeah, so it's it's definitely something that we we consistently work
0: towards. Yeah, yeah, so good. Thank you so much for making time yeah. to talk. It was good to see you again, catch up. and thanks for sharing part of your story with the Philo community. I think our conversation today was uh, we had some pretty good stuff, so yeah. thank you.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Dara was so right, that because every situation is different, every kind of leadership is needed for each particular situation. And when we're talking about the different kinds of volunteers, I love how she talked about leading each one. For the committed volunteer, empower them more. You know, they carry the culture and the DNA and the vision, and they can replicate themselves. They can pass that along to others. You know, for the happy to help volunteer, help them understand the vision more and challenge them with learning something new. And maybe for the grudging volunteer, really leaning into what they've seen work and not work, telling them stories of life change because of the work they've been a part of, and even giving them opportunities to get on board and maybe to find a new place to serve without any type of shame. I mean, I think so often we're nervous about passing someone off or saying, maybe this isn't a good fit for you because we need the bodies. But the reality is we're doing them a disservice and our church a disservice by the fact that maybe we're keeping them from what God has really designed them to be a part of. I also loved how she thought of recruiting. You know, what season are we entering and how can I be strategic about filling out the team? Is it summertime? Is it Christmas? Are people graduating? These are all opportunities for people to change what they're about, you know, just in life, a decision point. It's summertime. Our our life's going to look different. So how do we adjust to that? And for us, we need to be sure that we're ahead of the curve on engaging them in new ways or knowing that we need to look for new recruits. All right, if you're looking for new ways to engage with your team, especially those who are kind of on the committed side or, you know, happy to help even might I suggest signing up to bring them to the Philo Conference on May 7th and 8th at Willow Creek Church in the Chicagoland area. One of our goals to keeping the ticket price lower is so that you're able to bring your whole team. So experiencing Philo by yourself, that's good. There's a lot of good that comes from that, but experiencing it together with your team is an amazing way to connect together on what really matters as a team. I mean, how often are you in a van with your team or hanging out in the hotel lobby with your team? I mean, this is like summer camp for the production team. So it's just a great growing experience for your whole team. So the prices for groups of four or more are at the lowest price right now of $129. So maybe consider using any of your leftover 2023 budget to invest in your team in 2024. And since you're listening to the podcast, you can use the the code PODCAST10, that's podcast all lowercase and the number 1010 to get 10% off your total bill. All right. Thanks for making time to listen to the podcast today. If you have any ideas for future guests or topics for the podcast, you could send them our way at Podcast at philo.org. Or you can shoot us a DM on Facebook or Instagram at, at Philo Community. And following us is a great way to stay connected to what's coming up in the world of philo. All right. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.